morning, church family. Uh, my name is Josiah, and I will be reading from the Bible. So if you have yours, feel free to open to Luke 2, 67. Luke 1, 67, sorry. 2 is right there, so. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Hereby, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of the peace. Luke 1, 67-79. All right. Thank you, Josiah. Whoa. Good morning. My name is Eddie. Uh, if I don't know you, if you haven't met me yet, but thank you for being here this morning. Um, stay there in, in God's Word at Luke 1. That's what we'll be looking at this morning. Uh, this morning, if, if you and I were to get into conversation, or if we already have, I think I probably can guess for sure what question would arise, what, what our conversation would go towards, especially this time of year. It would go to the question, what are you doing for Christmas, right? What are your Christmas plans? I mean, you've probably been asked that a hundred times already. You've probably asked people that a hundred times already, because I know I have, <laughs> right? That's what we ask people around Christmas. Um, we just ask what they're doing, what their plans are. And when we ask that question, generally what we are thinking and, and asking towards is, who are you going to visit, or who's coming to visit you, right? What plans have you made to travel to go see family, friends, loved ones, or you know, do you have family coming in? Are, you know, are your kids coming in from out of state? Are your grandkids coming to see you, right? That's what we ask people around the holidays. Uh, who are you going to visit and who's coming to visit you, right? That's what we do. We make travel plans, right? We go over the river, through the woods to the grandmother's house. We go, right? That's what we do. We, we go and visit our loved ones. It's a great picture of, of what we celebrate at Christmas, that God himself came to visit us. That's what we're looking at this morning, that the eternal, infinite, glorious God came to visit us in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, somehow beyond our finite comprehension, the Creator stepped into His creation, and, um, but unlike many of our, our drop-ins or the, when we swing by someone's house really quickly, Jesus' visit to earth was, was planned, it was purposeful, and it demands our praises, it demands our response. It's exactly what um, we just read, what Josiah just read for us, of what the prophet Zechariah talks about in his song, his song of praise. And so um, Kevin hit on this a couple weeks ago, um, but the story of Zechariah is, is likely familiar to most of us. He was a priest. Um, his wife Elizabeth had no children. And, and one day this, this angel comes to Zechariah 
and tells him that they're going to have a son, right? And his name's going to be John the Baptist, or he's going to be John. The Baptist is like a title, I guess. <laughs> but he says to, to Zechariah, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You shall call his name John, and he will go before to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So he says, your son will go prepare the way for God himself to come visit his people. It's an amazing privilege. And if you know the story, Zechariah doesn't really get it right away, does he? He's kind of confused, questioning what Gabriel the angel tells him. And so Gabriel causes him to be unable to speak. So he can't speak, and uh, not until John is born. So Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Nine months later, John is born. Everyone's there. They're like, oh, what are you going to name the baby? You're going to call him Zechariah Jr., basically? And he's like, no, because he can't speak, and he has to find something to write on, and he writes down that the baby's name is John. And then finally, he, his mouth is open. He's able to speak again, and he sings. The first words he says is this song of praise we're looking at. That's what we find here in our song today, his song of praise as he regained his speech. And in this song, he finally recognizes what the angel Gabriel had told him. And he blesses God for that, that God is coming to visit his people. And, and Zechariah and his newly born son get to be just a small part of that amazing moment in God's work. Zechariah recognizes that God has visit us, visited us in Christ to redeem us for himself. God has visited us in Christ to redeem us for himself. And that's what we all need to recognize and bless God for this morning. So I, I use that, that phrase, visit, and that's in the title, because if you look in the song, right, in verse 68, he says, the Lord has visited us, and then at the end of the song, in verse 78, he comes back to that concept. He says, the sunrise is going to visit us from on high. So that's the concept Zechariah is speaking of, that God is coming to visit and see and do a work for his people. And there's three aspects to this that we're going to look at this morning. One of them is already up on the screen. He, and he's blessing God for three aspects for this visit. That this, this visit of God confirms his promises, it accomplishes his purposes, and it demands our praises. So, let's look at the fact that this visit from God that we celebrate in Christmas was a confirmation. Of, it was a confirmation of his promises. God came down and visited humanity in Jesus. But it was far from unexpected, right? I mean, it was, it was far from unexpected. It was not an unannounced drop-in, right? When you open the door and you're like, oh, hey, you're here. You could have given me a phone call, right? It's not like, um, it's not like Cousin Eddie showing up at the Griswolds ready to stay for a month or so till the holidays are over. This is not that. God's visit to humanity was planned. It was promised. It was anticipated, or it was to be anticipated by Israel. The Old Testament points forward to this. It alludes to it. It prophesies and predicts and promises that God himself is coming for his people to deliver them from their ultimate exile, their slavery to sin. That's exactly what Zechariah is taking note of. So similar to Mary's song, which we looked at last week, Zechariah's song is it's like a well-packed stocking. It's stuffed full of quotations, of allusions, of echoes, of references back to the Old Testament. It's, it's chock full of them. We don't have time to name them all, much less unwrap all of them. Um, we'll just look at a couple. Because uh, Zechariah, the priest, he's penned this really amazing mosaic of Old Testament 
prophecies and expectations and promises pointing forward to Jesus' coming. So, so just look, look down at verse uh, 69. We'll look at a couple of these promises he references. Zechariah says that God has come to, verse 69, raise up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So he directly references back to the stories in the book of Samuel where Hannah, uh, after Samuel is born, rejoices that the Lord is going to exalt the horn of his Messiah. He's going to raise up this warrior deliverer, this Messiah, this promised one. And then later on, God promises to David himself. He says, I will raise up your offspring after you, and your house and your kingdom will be made sure forever. Zechariah recognizes that's what God's doing. That's what is going on. That in this moment in redemptive history, God is fulfilling those promises. The true son of David, the mighty ox horn warrior imagery pointing to Jesus. And he is coming to deliver God's people. And he's coming to rule God's people. God's covenant with David is being fulfilled in Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. Look down again at Zechariah's song. Look at verse 73. Uh, Actually, look at verse 72. Sorry. He says, he's coming to, to show the mercy promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He, he references back to the covenant promises that God made to Abraham as well. That Abraham would have this, this one special seed, this one special offspring who would come and who would be a blessing to all the nations. That he would, uh, and it says in Genesis 22, he would possess the gate of his enemies and in that offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Again, just uh, Zechariah is recognizing at, at this moment in history, at this moment in the history of the world, in the history of God's work, he's doing something special to fulfill his promises. Specifically here as well, the promises to Abraham, right? The true seed of Abraham has come to bring blessing, to defeat the enemies of sin and death, um, and, and, and to create this special people, this big family through, through Abraham's offspring, Jesus. There's, there's many other, like, like I said, there's many other allusions, echoes, references back to the Old Testament. Don't have time to unpack them all. Those, those are the key aspects of what Zechariah is, is showing us, that the coming of Jesus is fulfilling these amazing covenant promises God has made to David, he's made to Abraham, he's made to his people throughout their history. When the eternal Son of God took on flesh and came to earth, he was confirming his promises to his people. He was showing them that he is faithful, that he is true to his word. Um, And so at Christmas, we we find what the Apostle Paul says, that all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus. All of God's promises find their yes in him. God's faithful to his word. He's true to his word. And so what God has promised, we can expect, right? Again, all of his promises are yes in Jesus. And we can know that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, we, he, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We can expect God to fulfill his promises to us, CBC. Uh, and I know that, that Christmas... I mean, it's a time of, of great joy, right? Christmas cheer, all that stuff, and happiness for, for many of us, for most of us. 
I understand it's not that for everyone. Some people dread the holidays. Some people don't look forward to them that much. Um, And so maybe instead of Christmas cheer right now, you're experiencing more frustration or doubt or confusion or questions about what God is doing in your life. Uh, Maybe your health or the health of, of someone in your life is not what you would want it to be right now. Maybe this year didn't turn out to be what you had hoped financially. Uh, or maybe you're just wrestling with questions of faith. And you, you find what you see God saying in his word, and that doesn't feel to match up to what you're experiencing in your own life right now. But let me just say to you that what God has promised, you can expect. He is faithful to his word. He's true to it. He, he proved it once in the first advent at Christmas time, when Jesus came to this earth, he proved that he is faithful to his promises. Um, and we know that Jesus is coming again, right? We know that he's coming again the second advent, and in the meantime, we can look to God's promises, we can look to his word, and we can have the same confident expectation. We can have that same confident expectation. So again, if, if this is not a Christmas of great joy for you, if this is, again, something you, you maybe dread the holidays, You're not looking forward to it. If you're struggling, you're doubting, whatever it is, just look to and trust in God's promises for you because he can't fail his promises. He can't. Open up his word, see what he promises to you, and trust that that is true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can take you from his love for you. He is at work in your life to shape you into the image of Jesus. He has overcome the world. He gives you his spirit to help you. He hears your prayers. He knows what you need. And he'll provide exactly for what you need as well. That's just a small sample of what his word says that we can expect from him. Because he sees us, he knows us, he loves us, and he has made promises to you that he will fulfill. And what God has promised, we can expect. So, this visit, God's visit, it, it confirms his promises. Also, it accomplishes his purposes. It accomplishes his purposes. So, again, the eternal Son of God stepped into creation, and it was for a very specific purpose, to redeem you and me, to redeem a people for himself. It's not an aimless visit, right? It's not like that family member who drops by and you're just wondering why are they here and when are they leaving, <laughs> right? That's not it. Christ's purpose in visiting this earth was not to give us some warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feelings every December. It was not to give us some much-needed vacation at the end of the work year or vacation from work at the end of the year. And let's be clear as well, Jesus didn't come to this earth just like the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, just to remind us how we can be better people and, you know, we can truly have Christmas cheer, right, in December every year. That's not why Jesus came either, even though that's a great, great story. Uh, Jesus came to redeem you and me. He came to redeem us, to save us. It's exactly what Zechariah says. Look again at his song. Verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Again, he goes on and talks about Jesus being the horn of salvation, right? The one who would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, that we would be delivered from their hands. And then later on, in in reflecting on the birth of his own son in this song, Zechariah says that John will go before to give knowledge of salvation in the forgiveness of their sins. 
that salvation that comes through Jesus. And he also speaks of the sunrise from on high visiting us to give, us light, to give light to us in darkness and to guide us into the way of peace. All those references in this song point to the fact that the purpose of Christ's visit was to redeem you and me, nothing else. He came to redeem us because we needed that, right? We, we do need that. You and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. We we're following this world. We were following our own desires, living for ourselves, bound for judgment. And we were in total bondage to our sin. Zechariah recognizes this. He knows that. He says, we sit in darkness. We sit in the shadow of death. He recognized we're trapped in the hands of our enemies, sin and death. And whether or not you feel that way about yourself this morning, whether or not you believe that to be your situation, if you are without Jesus, that's what God's word says about you. It says you're in darkness. You're under the power of another master. Yet on Christmas, the Son of God came for you. His purpose was to redeem you, that you can be forgiven of your sins, that you can be brought into a relationship with God, that you would receive salvation and eternal life. That was Jesus' purpose. Um, but also, we need to make this clear that unlike many of our soon-to-be-made New Year's resolutions, Jesus' purpose were absolutely accomplished. He didn't fail those purposes. He came to free us and liberate us from our total bondage to sin, and he did that. He did that without question. And through his death on the cross and through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, both of which he did for you, you can know a relationship with the God who created you and loves you and sent his son to this earth for you. There's no better gift that you could receive. So in this song, it's amazing because Zechariah recognizes the direness of our situation apart from Jesus and the depths of God's love and the amazing gift that we have in Jesus. It's just as the late Tim Keller used to say that the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe, yet more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared to hope. So if, if you're in Christ here this morning, if you're in him, I hope you are encouraged by that. I hope you're encouraged by that truth that he came to accomplish your redemption and he certainly did that. So you can be forgiven, so you can be accepted into God's family to know his love for you. If you're not in Christ, if you're not a believer in Jesus, he came for you. He did. He came to redeem you. That little baby we, we sing about being born in the manger, uh, he came to live a perfect life on your behalf and then he came to die a death on your behalf as well. He was risen from the dead, and you can be forgiven and have a relationship with him, and he wants that for you. And, you know, maybe this is the first time you've heard that. Maybe it's the hundredth time. It does not matter, because you can be freed from your sin today. You can know salvation through Jesus, and it's totally free, right? That's, that's what a gift is. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't achieve it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift. If you don't know how to receive that gift— please just talk to me, an elder, a pastor, a friend you know here, and I guarantee they would love to share that with you. So God's visit confirms his promises, accomplishes his purposes, and lastly demands our praises. It looks like the PowerPoint got a little messed up. Sorry about that. I'll fix that for the next service, but not for you guys. Sorry. Yeah, 
Lastly, God's visit says demands our praises. There you go. So God did not rush down to earth quickly just to say hi um, and then run back up into heaven quickly, leaving us confused and bewildered. It's not like the Grinch coming down to Whoville to throw everything into chaos and then running back up the mountain. It's not like that. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't say, hey, be back soon. Good luck with that. (laughs) He gave us a mission, right? He gave us a mission. Uh, And so God's visit to earth in Jesus demands serious consideration and a real response from you and I this morning. does. Our praises, our services, and our lives are to be given in service to him. Not just the lip service of, oh yeah, it's Christmas, praise Jesus for that, right? No, the praise of everything, our whole lives, given to him as our king. So first, that response from us needs to be one of faith, um, which we've just talked about as well. And So as we look at Zechariah, I mean, we see a man of great faith. Took him a little bit of work to get there, right? He had to have his mouth shut for nine months or so. But when we read this, 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 this song, we see this amazing insight, this amazing faith he has into what God is doing through Jesus. He probably had a lot of time to think about it and not to speak. So he got to think about that for a while. <laughs> but he had this amazing insight into what God is doing in this moment in history. Um, he, he's filled with a knowledge of God's promises. He understands how in this moment with Elizabeth and and their cousin Mary's pregnancies, how God is just doing something spectacularly new. He recognizes the grandness of God's redemptive plan. And he understands how he fits into that, which which is really cool. And so maybe you get, okay, Jesus is the reason for the season. I got it. Good. Cool. But do you actually grasp the weight of of what Christmas is all about, of what God did for you at Christmas time? how all of human history was leading up to this moment, how God in his infinite wisdom and power was somehow beyond our comprehension able to step into his creation, able to enter into his creation, how God and man perfectly exist in this person we call Jesus. And do you understand how the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus reveals his love for you? So do you just grasp, do you grasp that weight? Don't let the, the normalcy of Christmas traditions, Advent sermons, and catchy Christian catchphrases, don't let those things dull you to the truth of what God has done for us in Jesus. Every year, I hope we are struck by that as we reflect on this at Christmas time. Um, our, our praise and our re- response needs to be more than just recognition, right? It can't just stop at recognizing what God has done and and being thankful for that. It has to lead us into service for God, into true service to God. Look at what Zechariah says in verse 74. He says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. The only true and worthy response that you and I can give to God and what, for what he has done for us is fully and completely giving our lives to him. It's the only acceptable response on our behalf is fully giving our lives to him. It's, it's what Paul says in Romans 12:1 that you and I must present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That is our due spiritual worship. 
only worthwhile response to what Jesus has done for us is the full service and obedience and submission of our lives to him. Um, to sh- just to recognize that it's an amazing privilege to do that, to give our lives in service to him. Look at what Zechariah says in verse 70, or 74 again. He says that we get to serve God, he says, without fear. Without fear. We don't have to tremble like the high priest entering the Holy of Holies once a year, afraid that we might be struck down. We don't have to fear entering God's presence like that. We don't have to fear uh, if we're doing enough good things to earn God's love, if we're doing enough good works to stay in his good graces and his favor. We don't have to worry about that. We get to serve him without fear. He also says we get to serve him, look in 75, he says in holiness and righteousness, we get to be set apart from sin because we've been made holy and righteous through what Jesus has done for us. We get to serve God with a Christ-like character that looks totally different and weird to this world. We also serve God. Again, verse 75, he says, we serve before him. We serve God while he's present with us. Coram Deo, before him. Everything we do is in the presence of the one who saves us, who saved us, and who loves us. And then lastly, Zechariah says, we serve him all our days. This isn't, again, just some, some lip service of, yeah, I, I serve God once a year around Easter, or Christmas and Easter, I guess, if you're really spiritual, right? <laughs> That's not what this is about. It's not just, you know, again, giving him lip service. The only appropriate response to what Jesus has done for you is giving your whole life to him, right. serving him with everything you have. It's the only appropriate response. You have been saved to serve God here in this life, not just to sit back and chill till you end up in heaven. It's not what it's about. And we get to serve God fearlessly, righteously, in his presence, and with our whole entire lives because he's worth it. He is absolutely worth it. Because he sent his son for you and for me. Because he visited us. So, you know, let me just ask you, how, how are you serving the Lord right now? Again, is your attitude, well, I've been saved. I'm good till heaven. See you later, right? In the meantime, right? I'll show up around Christmas and Easter. That's not what God asked for, from us. Zechariah says, God has saved you so you would serve him. So how are you doing that? How are you, as he says about his son John in verse 77, how are you giving knowledge of salvation to others? How are you spreading the good news? How are you reaching out to those in your circle card? How are you proclaiming how people can know salvation? Are you sharing the good news that Jesus came to take people from death to life, from darkness into light? I mean, sometimes the most that we'll do is just invite someone to a Christmas Eve service, which is pretty sad. And I know because that's sometimes the most I'll do as well, right? We get so, so scared about sharing that we'll maybe invite someone to a service and that's about it. Jesus deserves a lot more than that. Our, our culture, our world, generally recognizes the spiritual Jesus-centered aspects of this Christmas season. We should leverage that. We should use that. We should use those opportunities to, to speak with friends and family, to speak with others about him. Um, maybe also, maybe there's a ministry in church that you need to be involved in or something 
in your own life or maybe in the life of your family, some step of obedience the Lord's been laying on your heart. Um, maybe you need to take a step of faith and obedience. Um, it's worth it to take those steps, even if there's risk. Um, Christ saved you to empower you to do those things. Maybe you're, maybe you're already over-involved in ministry. We have a lot of great servants here. Maybe you're over-involved in some ministry, fearful that if you don't do something, it's not going to get done. It's going to be okay, I can tell you. <laughs> It'll be all right. And maybe you need to take a step back to focus on what you really need to focus on, and you can serve the Lord in this way without fear, trusting that he's going to take care of his, his kingdom. Uh, maybe also, right now, you're, you're, maybe you're living your Christian life in unholiness or unrighteousness, maybe in, in shame. Jesus came to remove that. He came to remove guilt, to remove shame, to, to give you righteousness. And he promises that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them every single time. You don't have to live in unrighteousness because the Son of God came to take that sin on himself and to give you his righteousness. Again, maybe some of you feel alone this Christmas. Like we said earlier, it's not a time of, of cheer and joy for everyone necessarily. Um, let me just encourage you again that God is with you. He is present with you. And you have a, fam you have a family here at CBC who also loves you and cares for you. Amen. So I, I hope we all can consider how, how can we live to serve God this season in response to what he's done for us. We have to. In Christmas, we are celebrating that the eternal, infinite, glorious God has come to visit us. He's come to visit us to redeem us. Jesus came as a confirmation of God's many promises to his people. He came to accomplish God's singular purpose of redeeming you and me. And if we don't stop and recognize and consider how we must respond, then we are doing him a disservice. So I hope, like Zechariah, we can recognize this this morning. Hope we can recognize these glorious truths. And I hope we can all respond how the Spirit calls us to do that today. Because God has visited us in Christ to redeem us for himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Um, we thank you that you sent him because you love us. Um, and he came and he visited this earth um, and he lived perfectly whereas we never do and he died death on the cross for us in our place um, I just pray that the, the normalcy of Christmas the regularness of it would not dull us to these truths that we'd recognize the glory of the fact that you came to visit us and you redeem us Pray that we would all consider how we should respond to that this morning, whether it is faith, whether it is a step of obedience, whether it is um, sharing this good news with someone in our, in our family group, our friend group, um, helps to truly respond appropriately to what you've done for us in Jesus. We thank you for him. We give you all of the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.